Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. As Pastor Wade mentioned, we're going to begin a series on encounters with Christ. And Pastor Wade asked me to speak these next four weeks, and I was thinking about what I would share, what I would speak on. And so often what God is doing in my own life is often where the messages seem to resonate and come out. So I've been on a journey and a series in my own heart and life, uh, studying the life of Jesus Christ. And we studied lots of books, we studied lots of characters, and from my own heart, about three months ago, I just went on a journey and a path to, to, to study Jesus Christ and begin reading through the Gospels. And so as I was going along that journey, it, it dawned on me that those have been written there for me so that I can see how Jesus Christ interacts with people, that I can learn about not only who Jesus is, but I can learn who I am. And not only just the Savior of the world interacting with people, but his amazing compassion and love and heart. And so as we desire to be more like Christ, I think the encounters that we see, that we'll see these next four weeks, give us a little bit of a view of what that looks like. And I trust you'll be encouraged, even though we'll be in some familiar passages together as we look at that. And so as born-again followers of Jesus Christ, there's a huge advantage that we have, that we have the written scriptures, we have the complete Bible, and we read it, and we, we actually know the outcome of what is even to come. Although we can't see it, we can read about it. But at the same time, there's a part of me that's actually kind of jealous, because when I read the scriptures, I find people who had lived in a time um, in life where they actually got to encounter Jesus firsthand. And we read the scriptures like, what, what must that have been like to not only have seen him, but to heard him preach, to watch these different encounters as you would have stood and watched some of this, maybe observed, maybe been part of the crowd that day, to possibly had any interaction with him at all, this very son of God, that you could have looked him in the eyes, you could have expressed yourself to him, you could have, you could have hugged him, you could have walked with him you could have been one of his disciples and as we read the bible that's where it comes alive for us that we get to see this and feel it and know it and so although we're at a disadvantage in that we don't have those personal encounters with christ firsthand god did an amazing job of recording these different accounts in scriptures so that you and i could be there and that's what i want to do i just want to drop down into a few encounters and experience this together, knowing knowing that Jesus is in us, he's with us, and he is for us. Now, on your handout, if you've got one of those, if anybody doesn't have one, i got one left. Does anybody want this? I've got one left, going once, going twice, got an auction going. Can I get five rand for it, ten rand for it? Okay. All right, got to take her back here. That'll be ten rand, please. (laughs) You're welcome. And... So let's do this. On the, on the blank there, you have this question that I want you to answer. I want to build a bridge from where Pastor Wade has been, where Easter has taken us. And so 
you've got a place there, and I've given you an intentional place to write it down. I want you to, tell, I want you to write to yourself. I'm not going to collect these. What is the gospel? Okay, and this is so important to what we're doing, okay? Because present in these encounters is going to be Jesus expressing who he is in order that they could understand not only him, but they could understand the gospel. So what is the gospel? Okay? And I taught on this a couple of weeks ago, whenever Easter, it seems like eternity ago now, Easter is so far away, but you remember this, okay? And I gave you a key passage of scripture that I wanted to make sure we focused on. And let me read it for you, and then let's see how well this matches up with your description of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the words I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Okay, here it is now. For I delivered to you as of the first important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Now there are lots of places that express the gospel in even uh, more terms, but this is one basic place where we can go in which Paul outlined the gospel as this. The gospel is, we would start out by saying it's the life of Jesus Christ, and then Jesus died, Jesus buried, Jesus resurrected, and then I add on to this that Jesus appeared because I think Jesus' appearance after his resurrection is critically important because it was proof that Jesus Christ was alive, and that's what's happening in this text. So as you think about the gospel and you think about our explanation of the gospel, this is what we can do. Now, you got your place in John 20. Go to John 20 and look at verse 26, okay? Because we now have the privilege of the full gospel. We have the full presentation of the scriptures, and you and I know what the gospel is. When we read these accounts, there were people still trying to discover the gospel. They were hearing it for the first time in many cases and trying to understand that. And here's what's really important about what I'm getting ready to read now. You believe the gospel by faith through grace. Somewhere along the journey, the gospel came to you. You heard it. You may not even accept it at the first time, the second time, the hundredth time, but somewhere God penetrated your heart and you understood the gospel. And you did that by faith. God is so awesomely pleased with those who actually believed just simply by faith because the contrary to that is you're going to have to show me proof but we live in an era and a day where Jesus Christ isn't on the scene anymore I can't see him physically he's not sitting in church today and this is the problem that Thomas encountered look in verse 26 through 29 I'll read it for us So eight days later, now eight days after the resurrection, his disciples were inside again. So they're in, the things have begun to calm down. And then Jesus is going to be on the scene to prove what you and I believe by faith. And Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, they were fearful, Jesus came, stood among them. So Jesus literally in his now resurrected form walked right through the door, right through the walls. He's now in the room. And stands among them and said, imagine what this sounded like, peace be with you. Because they're like stunned. They're like stunned. They're hiding. 
Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered, my Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, because Thomas now recognizes it's actually, it's eight days after the resurrection and Thomas just now gets it as a disciple of Jesus Christ. To which Jesus responds with something phenomenal. Let it resonate deep in your heart. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have, belie and yet have believed. That's you and that's me. You believe the gospel by faith. You had no physical touch, no physical appearance of the resurrection. You believed by faith. This is, this is astronomical. And in your faith to believe, God entrusted you with the gospel and broke through our hearts with the light of the gospel so that we could see and we could understand, which I've been saying for years, I'll never stop saying it, never get over the marvel of your salvation. Listen, we've got all kinds of problems. There's all kinds of things keeping us awake at night. There's all kinds of things that should be happening that we want to happen. Da, 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 da. Never get over the marvel of your salvation. It's just unbelievable that Jesus Christ would save me. And we sing this song about the power of the cross. All of that was for you. And you did it simply by faith. You believed by faith that this was true. So here's the question we're looking at. Is believing, is seeing believing or is believing seeing? We know what it was for Thomas and we know what it, we want it to be for us. So let's do this this morning. I'm going to do this throughout the series. We're going to look at three questions around each of the encounters. And here they are. You'll see this is number one, two, and three on our, on our, on our notes. What does Jesus reveal about them? In this case, what does he reveal about the two guys walking down the Emmaus Road? And then what I want you to do is I want you to translate that to what's he, what's he saying about me? What's he see about me as well? Second is what does Jesus reveal about himself? Every encounter is an opportunity for us who've never seen him, hugged him, to believe based on this encounter so that we could see it. That's why it's there for us. And then as a result of that, what do I need to do? Simply to be educated and to be intellectually knowledgeable about the Emmaus Walk is cool. means nothing if I don't do something about it and change. That's the gospel penetrating my heart and moving me to do things to be closer to Christ. So we're going to look at those three together. Okay, so turn your Bibles back now to Luke 24, and we'll begin there. Now, here's a little bit about what the picture, I hate cheesy Jesus pictures, okay? The problem is they're all cheesy Jesus pictures. So I found the best one I could find, because what I want you to do is I want you just to put this picture in your mind. Now, I'm going to do something, for me personally, and preferably when I preach, I want to go verse by verse, word by word, and I want to move through the text. I love to exegete a text. This is a narrative text, and so therefore I'm going to do something that I'm even uncomfortable with. I'm going to move through the text in just a narrative form, and I'm going to highlight things about you, I'm going to highlight things about Jesus, and I'm going to highlight things about what we can do going forward, okay, in those three areas. But this is the scene I wanted to put in your mind, and here's a little bit about what you can think about. If you look in verse Look at verse 13, the first verse. Now, behold, the two of them were traveling that same day. Okay? The same day is this is still Easter day. It's still the resurrection day. It's early in the day. 
And the two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. So, because we don't think in miles, we think in kilometers. It's about 11 kilometers. And this was the journey that they went. They went northwest from Jerusalem out of the chaos of everything that had happened around that city. And they're making their way back to, back to Emmaus. Okay, so that's the journey they're on. And let's look and let's find out then what we discover then about, about them. Here's the first point, is they had heard the truth. Now, scriptures identifies for us that they had actually heard the truth. The scriptures talks about the fact that the angels had declared it. People had already seen Jesus Christ. There are 17 post-resurrection appearances in the scriptures, 17 of them. This is now the fourth of those 17, if we go chronologically in order. It's the only account that all the Gospels give of the Emmaus Walk comes from Luke. It's not in the other Gospels at all. And it's the fourth now, and it's Easter Day. And here's what they, they know, is that they have been revealed, at least through the other three appearances, that Jesus Christ is alive, he's resurrected. They had the Old Testament. They had what we've been learning from Isaiah. They had heard the Psalms that uh, talked about the coming of the Messiah. And yet what we find out is that they heard the truth, but the truth hadn't penetrated the heart enough that they could believe. Now what I want you to do is I want you to think about you walking down the journey and what that must have been like to have lived like this and to think about it. They often describe this type of um, scripture passage as a, a literary irony. It's a literary irony. Now, the irony of the story is that you and I know the outcome, and we know what Jesus is getting at. But think about the two guys walking down the road who didn't get it. So the irony is, is they don't get it, we get it, so what can I learn from them that they didn't quite get? They didn't get the truth. Just didn't believe it. Now, how different is that from you and me? Because Jesus is revealing something about them, and he's revealing something about me. There's a lot of things I see in the scriptures and that I know is true, and yet in my own heart, I fail to, I fail to believe it. Um, a crisis comes into our life. Things aren't quite going well, and I'm, I'm like, Where's Jesus in this? Where are you? I don't feel you. I don't feel, it doesn't feel like you're there. Why would you bring this on me? What are you trying to do? Where's this going? And there's this sense about, and yet every part of the Bible I know is true. It's like, what are you being anxious about? What are you worrying about? You see the birds flying around. I mean, I care for every single bird flying around in this orbit. There are billions of them flying around. Not one of them ever drops to the ground that I don't know about. And yet you sit and you, it's because of truth. I just, I just don't believe truth. Second is this. Second is this. They had hope that Jesus was the answer. They hoped that Jesus was the answer. The problem for these two men, and often the problem for us, that we can see in them, that we can see in us, they, they, wanted, they wanted the Messiah to come, and they wanted him to make everything that was wrong right. Make things right socially, 
make things right economically, make things right politically, because they wanted the promise of a Messiah who would come and restore Israel. God's going to restore Israel, but their impressions of what Jesus was going to do just didn't play out. It's not playing out like we thought this whole story was going to play out. And so what they wanted him to do was different than what he had actually done. Now we're going to see this come out later in our notes, but part of that is that what we see in them and what we see in me is that I have certain expectations about what I think Jesus should do. You've you've seen this in people who, maybe it was true of us, I trust not now, but somewhere in our journey, when I came to faith in Jesus Christ, I expected certain things of my life to change and what it was going to be like. I came to Jesus Christ and, pardon my French or Afrikaans, it all went to hell. It was like all hell cut loose. All of a sudden, things are like, and it like makes total sense to me now in some maturity, but all of a sudden now I had a new life in Jesus Christ. I thought the life was going to look like and be like this, but early on, I'm telling you, it was just flat out hard. And it was like all of a sudden the attacks were on, things were coming at me, I was disowned by my family. There was stuff going on that was like, this, this doesn't even make sense. Why can't they see what I see? Because I had certain expectations. I figured I'd come to faith in Jesus Christ. I'd tell my mom and my dad, and they would come to faith in Jesus Christ. They instead pushed back and said, how dare, how dare you even leave the church? The day I got baptized, it was a cold winter uh, in the States. That would have been February. I remember the day perfectly well. And I had been baptized in an evening service in the church that we were going to. I wasn't even bright enough to have figured this out. And when I came home from the evening service, I had the clothes that I was baptized in were soaking wet. And I took those clothes and I just laid them on the wash machine because I knew they needed washed and dried. Well, lo and behold, I'm up in my room and my mother, I could hear my mother running up those steps. We had a two-story house. I can hear it to the day. She came in our room. She held those clothes and she said, what in the world is this? Now, it's dead winter. It's like sub-zero weather outside, like where did you go and like what pond or what pool did you jump in in the middle of February? And so for the first time I had to tell my mom I, I was baptized. <laughs> I, you, were, you were baptized as a baby. You've already been baptized. Why would you be baptized again? There are certain expectations that we have. Jesus is thinking different. He's thinking different than they're thinking. Here's the third then under that point. They had trouble understanding They just have trouble understanding. I don't fault them because I see them and I see me and it's like I have trouble understanding as well. Here they are walking with Jesus. There's this animated conversation, but they simply could not put the whole thing together. Now, here's what's true of them that's true of you. You can't put it together either. You're on a journey. God's moving you through and you think this is what it might look like, but you don't. You don't have the full picture. I was up in Durban last week, and um, so I haven't even told Taryn Wade, but I got a little 40 Rand puzzle when I was shopping, and I'm going to give it to the kids, and we're going we're to put this together. Now, it would be, it would be um, shameful. It would actually be very difficult if I throw all these pieces out on the table, and I say, okay, now put that puzzle together. <laughs> They're like, Papa, I don't, 
outer looks like. No, just put it together. There's all the pieces to the puzzle. You can figure this out. And what would they say to me? What, tell me what they would say. Like, where's the box? Where's the box? Show me, show me the picture. Put the picture up there. Oh, oh, no, no. They didn't, they didn't get this. They didn't get the whole turtle and the whole aquarium floating around. And sometimes in our lives, we don't, we don't get the aquarium turtle floating around either. Each of you are in a, in a journey, you're in a place, you're walking with Christ, and there's things in your life that simply do not make sense. I'm in the middle of a few right now that just make no sense to me. And yet I know that it's part of the picture of what God wants to do. And so they were troubled by the fact that they, they couldn't understand the whole picture and didn't see it. Well, that's number one. Let's look at number two. Number two is this. What does Jesus reveal about himself? So he's showing us a little bit of them. He's showing us a little bit of, of us. But look at this. This is probably the best part. I love this. Jesus sees, enjoys, and is patient with them. Look at verse, um, look at verse 19. This is so good. If you don't laugh at this, I'm going to make you laugh. And he said to them, what things? So, it's like they're having this conversation. Jesus appears on the road, and it's like they're talking back and forth, and he has, he has blinded them that they can't see. So all fairness to them, they didn't know it was him. Okay, they've been blinded from knowing this is Jesus Christ. And they go on to tell the whole story. And he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, like, what rock have you been hiding under? Everybody in Jerusalem, everybody knows what's going on. Where have you been? To which Jesus is so gentle and so patient with them. And it just reminds me that Jesus and God literally has a sense of humor. He really does. We read the scriptures and sometimes, like even that John 21 where they were sitting around the fire and Jesus is cooking it and he restores Peter. And I mean, don't you understand? Don't you believe that there was really a lot of humor? There's a lot of laughter. There's a lot of jostling. They're elbowing each other. They didn't, they didn't look different than we live. So what that does for me, as I think about what this says about Jesus, what it says about himself, Jesus is real. Jesus is alive. And Jesus is like, really cares and is engaged and involved. And we take Jesus Christ and we see God and we put him on the throne. And he's like this awesome, powerful, can't touch, not sure how to relate to, all those things about him. And yet he says, I'm his friend. So in our relationship with Jesus, I say just when you want to be with him, just visualize running up, jumping on his lap, and just letting him hold you as an adult, an adopted adult. Because that's the relationship that he desires to have. That's how he desires that we would see him. And then how patient he is with us when we pray. Because you're praying, and he already knows what you're praying about. Does he not? You're praying, you're talking, he's going, duh. Like, I already know that, just like the Emmaus guys. I already know that. So stop telling me what I already know. What is it you want? What can I do for you? Tell me how much you love me. I've been expressing my love to you. You get this idea that this is the kind of relationship that Jesus desires to have. The second is this. Jesus gives us enough evidence and faith to believe. 
He gives us just enough evidence and he gives us just enough faith to believe, to believe him and to understand. The longer that Cleopas talked, the more he could have convinced himself because he's going on. He's like, he's like explaining everything that's true. The problem in there, if you, did you notice it when they said, um, what is it, verse, look in your Bibles and tell me, what verse is it where they refer to Jesus as a prophet? You see that in there? What verse is that? What's it, how's it read, Derek? What's it say? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. Why didn't they refer to him as the Messiah? The fact that they use the word prophet is good and true. They didn't see him, they didn't see him as the Messiah. They didn't see it that way. They couldn't put it together. They didn't quite understand. And yet Jesus had given them enough evidence. The witnesses, the angels, the empty tomb, um, it was all there for them. Here's what I'm encouraged with. Right in the margin of your notes there, Romans 10, 17. Romans 10, 17. You know this verse. Romans 10, 17 says this. So faith comes from what? Hearing. And hearing through what? Through the word of Christ. So Jesus is giving them the word. They, they could understand, they could believe, and he gives us just enough evidence to do that. Don't, don't we feel a little bit like that? It's like, Jesus, could you, could you supply more information about this? I, I really would like to know more, and yet he chooses not to do it. Listen to Warren Wearsby then, because we think about that, because then Jesus turns. What's he doing in the scriptures? He then turns, and he begins to unfold for them the scriptures, the truth about what has happened. What did that look like? What did it sound like? The scriptures, it doesn't say in the scriptures what he said. I wish, I wish we knew what he said, and I can't wait to ask him. Just redo the sermon that you did to the two guys on the Emmaus Road. Would you, if I gather a few of my friends around heaven and we find a nice tree, a shade tree somewhere, would you, would you just tell us what you told the Emmaus guys? Because I, I picture him just now going through and explaining the whole context so they could understand. Warren Risby writes this. I love this. Perhaps Jesus started at Genesis 3.15, the first promise of the Redeemer, and traced that promise through the scriptures. He may have lingered at Genesis 22, which tells of Abraham's placing of his only beloved son on the altar. Surely he touched on the Passover, the Levitical sacrifices, the tabernacle ceremonies, the Day of Atonement, the serpent in the wilderness, the suffering servant from Isaiah 53, the prophetic messages of Psalms 22 and Psalm 29. I don't know what he said, but somehow what he was doing was trying to communicate to them, I'm going to give you enough evidence to believe. Now, you and I in our journey, when we walk and we get to see this about Jesus Christ, understand this about Jesus Christ, he's going to give you just enough to keep you going but he may not give you everything that you want. I want to see this, I want to see this from A to Z. I'm not going to do that. Why, why wouldn't you do that? Why are you frustrating me with this? Because I know, I know you, Tom, really well. And I know that you will go forward in your own strength and your power if I give you too much. So therefore, let's try this. I'm going to launch you out. I'm going to send you out. I've got some things I want you to work on. And 
what I want more than anything is I want you to be dependent on me. Will you just trust me? But it doesn't feel good. It hurts. I'm confused. That's okay. When you're confused and you're hurting like that, I find you turning towards me. If your expectations are I'm going to give you everything you want, life's just grandiose and perfect, you'll, you'll forget me. You'll forget me. Listen to Willem Barclay says about this, the theologian in his commentary. Imagine the greatest teacher explaining the greatest themes from the greatest book and bringing the greatest blessing to men's lives. That's what's happening in that text. And what's going on is Jesus then explains to them. Let's look at the third then of this C under point two. What does Jesus reveal about himself? Jesus exposes the heart in order to bring about change. Okay? Jesus in encounters with people in the Bible and encounters with me is all about getting to the heart. That's his goal. Now, watching your Bibles, uh, if you'd like to write in your Bibles or if you want to put it in your notes here, look at the times where the word heart is used here. Look at verse 25 of Luke 24. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of, what's the word? What's the word in your Bible? Heart. You're, you're, you're slow of heart. Your mind's clicking. Your mind wants to figure it out. Your mind thinks you have it figured out. I didn't meet your expectations, but this is a heart issue. Look at verse 32. They said to each other, this is after this encounter now, and you remember reading that after Jesus has now revealed himself, they said this, did not our, what's the word? Did not our hearts burn? Did not our hearts burn within us while we talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? Hey, what does it feel like as a follower of Jesus Christ when your heart burns? Do you, know, do you know what that feels like? It feels different for different times for us. I find my heart burning when I let out little grunts and I watch Jesus at work. Um, somebody's praying and they're praying about something and they say something, I'm like, mm. now, I know I shouldn't be grunting when people are praying, but I grunt when people pray. It's my, you know what it is? It's my heart burning. It's like, you said that, you prayed that. That really resonates with me. That's right. Somebody's preaching. And so in our churches, not too many people shout amen. By the way, you can do that anytime you like. Just fire me up and say amen occasionally. That would be really cool. Okay? But I'll say something, or you'll read something in the scriptures, and I'll say, like, mm. you know what that is? That's something burning in your heart that Jesus is impressing upon you. And so we find this. And then look at the third place because it comes after the Emmaus journey when we get into Jesus revealing himself to the disciples. Look at verse 38 then. Verse 38. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your, what's the word? Hearts. It's all about the heart. It's about Jesus Christ trying to change us to be more like him. Happens to us all the time. Let's look at the third and the last then. The third is this. Okay, what do I need to do based on what I've witnessed? I'm giving you an account that you're all too familiar with. Get unfamiliar with it and think about these things in light of this. Here's the first. Have a willingness to admit it's all about Jesus. Okay? 
So the reason I say that is because when Jesus started expounding the scriptures, he went back to the Old Testament, and I promise you the stories he told was actually about him because that was the question at hand. The Messiah has not delivered what we thought the Messiah was going to do. So he starts way back there, Genesis chapter 3 probably, and he rolls right through because he wanted to see. Pastor Wade is always doing this for us. you got to find Jesus in the Old Testament in order to understand him in the New Testament. Everything they said about him back there is true. It's actually being revealed to us even as we live our lives. And so the story is about Jesus Christ. It's the common theme that runs from the beginning all the way to the end. The story has always been about him. The story will always be about him. It's always about Jesus. And he wants them to understand that. He wants them to see that. And so we find that this encounter was to stretch their faith to stretch their faith. Look at verse 31. Somebody read verse 31 for me really nice and loud. What's it say there? Go ahead. Pretend we're not in church. We're just having a little Bible study. What's verse 31 say of, of Luke 24? So he, he exposes them. He tells them, no, it's, it's been me all along. And the reality of that moment, the encounter must have been amazing. That they would believe that. Their eyes were fully opened. They could fully understand. And they could understand that they needed to understand that the story was about Jesus. So they have to admit that it's all about Jesus. Second is this. Have a willingness. Have a willingness to regularly encounter Jesus in the word of God. It's amazing to me that Jesus could have revealed himself through the Emmaus walk a lot different than he did. But I think it's significant. I think there's something to learn and to be gained by the fact that he took him back to the word of God. Okay, now this is important because you, don't, you can't be doubting Thomas. You can't physically have those encounters. So you're going to have to have an encounter based on belief. Based on belief. And so these encounters will happen through the word of God. Um, the assumption is, is that we're all reading our Bibles. The assumption is we're probably not all reading our Bibles. Um, your heart will not burn without the scriptures. It's not going to burn. It can't burn. You can't be fueled. It's not going to catch fire unless you read the word. That's what he's getting across to these guys. Their hearts burned within them. They received the word of God, and they then fellowshiped through the word of God. Okay, and what do we need to do? Here's the last. Have a willingness to zealously share Jesus with others. In verses 33 through 35, so after this encounter, they arose the same hour. So they've taken this journey. They've gone to Emmaus. It's all still Easter day. And what does it say in the scriptures? They returned and they went back to Jerusalem. Now, they've just walked 11K to get there, had the encounter, bring him in, have this meal. Jesus lifts the veil. They see it's him. And there is this huge response in their hearts. Their hearts are burning so much. What do they have to do? We got to go back and tell all the guys in Jerusalem who were thinking like we were thinking because he's alive. He is real. He is here. We have seen him. And so they make this mad dash. And I promise you, they got back to Jerusalem quicker than it took them to get to Emmaus. 
And they're on the journey. And they found the 11 of those who were gathered together saying, The Lord has risen indeed and he's appeared to Simon. And they told, they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them. In, and then it goes on to say, in the breaking of bread. Now that breaking of bread, don't confuse it. I don't think that's the Lord's Supper and the breaking of bread there. At this point, the apostles were the only ones who experienced that just three days ago. They didn't even have time to introduce the Lord's Supper. This was Jesus just sitting down and having a meal and exposing himself to them so they could understand, they could see. And I got to thinking about that. Often we look for Jesus to be in the spectacular. And you know what? Jesus is just in the ordinary. That's where he is. It's like, well, my life's just kind of cruising along. It's like, uh, no, no, he's, he's right there. He's in the middle of these meals. He's in the middle of all these encounters we're having. He's right engaged in the middle of it, desiring for us to see him and know him. Okay, there he is walking down the road. That could be us. Seeing is believing or believing is seeing. Let's do some closing applications. The first is this, three closing applications. View your life encounters through God's eyes. The same way I've taken you through the Emmaus Road, when you read your Bible, I would encourage you, Pastor Wade, he like told you to read the Psalms. I'm like, oh man, I was going to tell him to read the Gospels. So find time to read the Psalms in the morning, the Gospels, and whatever you want. Just start in the book of Luke or pick John. We're going to be doing a study on Mark the second half of the year. Take a Gospel and start reading through and ask yourself these questions. Ask yourself these questions and view those encounters the way that Jesus views them. Like, Okay, what's, what's he doing? What do I need to see? How can I draw closer to him? How can I be a better follower of Jesus Christ? Second is this, is view your life encounters through God's expectations, and I would say not yours. I say we stop it with what I expect Jesus to do for me. And instead, here, and instead allow him to, Show me what he wants to show me. This will happen through two basic words that can be inverted and will help you greatly. Stop asking the question, why is Jesus doing this? Stop asking the question, why for now? And ask the question, what? What is he actually doing? Why is this happening? What is he doing? Why is he working the way he's working? Third is this. View your life encounters through God's excitement. These things have been written for us so that we could believe and see because we don't have firsthand encounters. It's not, it's not when you were born. It's not when you're going to die unless Jesus Christ comes back for us. And if that's the case, then we'll meet in the air, right? We're going to meet on the way up as we journey with Christ back to heaven. Thanks for listening, and remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.